Alright guys, well, welcome back to another episode. I'm really excited today. We have a guest. His name is Isaac. He's a friend of mine from law school. Um, he also has a little bit of a background in other things, which we can also talk about. But we wanted to do an episode today just talking about more of the recent events in the world of the stock market and trading and everything going on with GameStop and also BlackBerry and AMC and just kind of giving you guys our take of what's going on from also a bit of a legal perspective and also from a bit of a political perspective and an economic perspective. But yeah, I just thought it was really interesting and Amara and I wanted to share it quickly. So Isaac, welcome to Ramblings of a Brother and Sister. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Share more about your background prior to law school and just like where you're coming from. In my undergrad, I have a BA in forensic psychology and political science. I have an interest in kind of investments and how companies operate kind of behind the scenes, not necessarily what is always seen by the public. So just looking at or being able to peel back some of the stuff of what's happening now is quite interesting. Mm hmm. How are you finding um, our Zoom law school experience? <laughs> oh, it's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Time change, it hurts, but... Oh, yeah. We have a handful of tutorials, by the way, that start at like 4 a.m. and 5 a.m. in the morning, and it's kind of outlandish. Getting your degree on Zoom isn't such a bad idea because in the near future, you're going to be doing court cases in Zoom on Zoom. So Can you, you imagine? Know, I, I think it just makes sense. How are you supposed to object or like make a point? <laughs> What if you just accidentally <laughs> mute yourself halfway through? It's like, they'll, they'll be like a Zoom legal edition where there's like an eject button and oh all the other gosh. stuff. Yeah. That's a really good idea, actually. Like creating like a legal, like a law virtual platform. Someone should market that. And like, you know, the judge will have something where it's like order in the like court. Gavel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Everyone's muted. Um, yeah. If only they, you know, implemented that sooner during the presidential debates. But anyways, um, also for context, Isaac is in Toronto. Like, he's in Toronto proper. I feel like whenever I tell someone who's not from Canada where I live, I'm like, oh, I'm from, like, outside of Toronto. But you actually live in Toronto. Yes. Oh, I just tell them Toronto because otherwise they won't know. They have no idea. I mean, that's close enough. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How have you been finding things just being back home, obviously, like, moving back from the UK with the pandemic and even just with the current lockdown? Like... How's life in the city? It's interesting. Like, it's not super busy, but it's busier than you think. Walking around, you still see a lot of people out for walks with family, dogs. Yeah. But it's definitely a lot. Like, there's not as many cars. There's not as many shops open where people can go. Yeah. So that kind of takes away some of the foot traffic. Have you seen it get progressively emptier as a second lockdown restrictions were put in place? Or We kind of were always at we were kind of flirting with that like full lockdown the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> like we unfortunately like couldn't really like open up a lot and then like close and then open up and close because we being the major city in the area, it's always going to have a higher case count. For sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least I know in Markham, I'm hoping that on the February the 9th things are looking better case wise, but as for you in the city, I'm, yeah, we talked about this earlier, but we're not, it's not looking hopeful. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. Anywho, let's get into it. I feel like it might be good just to start with a brief rundown of what actually happened, because I also feel like people may not be, they may not even know or care. Well, for those who haven't been following the news, there is an app called Robinhood, and the basic principle was like Robinhood, you know, stealing from the rich, giving to the poor. <laughs> not that that's what the app does, but... 
it was supposed to be a very easily accessible way for it. just see, you know, your average Joe to invest in stock, uh, maybe some cryptocurrencies. You know, when you think of stocks or investing, it's very intimidating for a lot of people. And this app was supposed to kind of, you know, make it just simple for a lot of people. So recently this past year, there is a subreddit called Wall Street Bets. And one of the things they realized is that there are a lot of hedge funds who are shorting some stocks that they predict that were going to go down. And if you don't know what shorting a stock is, it's basically when someone, they borrow a stock from someone else, they sell it at the current price, and then when they hope that it goes down, they will rebuy that stock at the lower price and then pay back the person that they borrowed. Basically, like they are counting on a stock price to not have a great value. Like that's how they make their money by not essentially believing that a stock is going to do super well. Yes, they maybe pay like a, a little bit of interest on top of it. But right. yeah, they're, they're hoping that the stock does not do well so they make money. Yeah. So there were billions of dollars that were put on like into shorting stocks, specifically AMC, which is a theater chain, which makes sense given the pandemic, people aren't going to the theaters. And also there was another one. Um, I don't even think about that. Like people not going to the theaters and that affecting. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. yeah it makes sense. Like <laughs> yeah. a lot of them are, a lot of them have shut down permanently. <gasps> Wait, sorry. Side note. Should we invest in Cineplex guys? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> not right now. <laughs> Maybe right. in a couple months. <laughs> in a couple months. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Continue. Yes. The second and the second one was GameStop. Um, there were a couple other ones, like Blockbuster went up like 700% BlackBerry. <laughs> There's, I think there was like over 50 in total, but GameStop was the biggest one. Yeah. So not even just a pandemic in general, but with the way that video games work now and with the increase of digital sales, you know, there's not really, they don't really have a viable business. You can't really make money selling physical games as you could in the past. Right. So obviously an investor is like, okay, I don't think the stock is going to do well in the future. I'm going to short it and make some money. Well, Wall Street bets, <laughs> that's subreddit. They're like, hmm, there have been billions of dollars put into shorting the stock. And, you know, we don't like these hedge fund guys. We don't like the way that they're just making money like this. And we're going to do something about it. So they decided we're just going to go all in. And I think at one point it went like 70% in a day. And yeah. that was already astronomical. It's like, damn, like GameStop of all companies going at 70%. But it didn't stop there. It just kept going higher and higher. I think the stock started at the beginning of the year somewhere around like $10 US. And at its high point, it was around like 470 So, <laughs> But also at its low point, it was less than $7. <laughs> it's crazy. There was, I think there was one person who made, he invested like 58000 He made over a million dollars. So there are some people who've gotten pretty rich pretty fast. Side note-ish, but like, you know, Mara and I both are into cryptocurrency. Isaac, like ever since I've known you, you've I know you've been someone who is interested and invested into the stock market. Like how, from that perspective, did you find this like palava? <laughs> like as an investor and as someone who has been following these things, like from that legal perspective, from the economic perspective, like what? kind of was your take on the situation i mean it was interesting to say the least um yeah. you had like shorting stocks is something that happens all the time which in and itself is kind of problematic because you're betting on something to fail right <laughs> so when it became public that these hedge funds were essentially shorting different entities people kind of were able to gather around and it was good it was promising that mm-hmm 
or we're not going to be limited by what hedge funds think and it allowed the market to be more open. But when it got to that level where GameStop is over $300 a share, it starts to question or bring into question a lot of things of like, is this true? Well, their company's not worth this much when you break it down. So is this manipulation to some extent? Like, how is this even able to occur in such a short time span? So there's a lot more questions that need to be answered before you can kind of get to the bottom of all of this. Yeah, for sure. Of course, shorting stocks hasn't been, um, it's like it's not a new thing. But at the same time, the reverse of that, or a short squeeze, as they call it, isn't new as well. So that would be when you see that someone's shorting a stock and you're like, you know what? I'm going to pump as much money into this as possible to drive up the price. And then I'm going to force those people who are shorting the stock to have to rebuy it at a higher price. And basically, it's like a short-term play of just making a quick quick profit. So this isn't necessarily anything new. It's definitely happened in the past. I think we just never really seen it to this level where, you know, we've taken a failing company and all of a sudden it's like a Fortune 500 company in terms of value. Yeah, looking at it, like with that, this all comes down because the hedge fund was advertising its short positions, which most people probably wouldn't want to do because when you can when someone has enough capital to short squeeze you it can really hurt which they saw like i think it was like 3 or 5 billion dollars that they had to yeah. pay just in insurance on their uh shorts damn i forgot who was watching a youtube video but they said that there was one group that had lost like it was like 23 billion dollars i don't yep. know there was some, something astronomical and I'm like, damn, that sucks. What's interesting to me is, okay, so I know that there is the SEC, which is the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. And essentially, they're like an independent agency of the U.S., like the federal government um, that was created after the stock market crashed in the 1920s. And it was kind of designed to like protect investors and like the national banking system. Um, and they kind of, their responsibility is to enforce like federal security laws and, and kind of manage all this stuff. Um, I know they also have like the Securities Exchange Act of 1934, which was kind of more like related to trading and stocks and things like that. They are kind of seen as like, we step in when things go awry or trying to like mitigate these exchanges and these processes. And when the situation happened, everyone was like, well, the SEC is going to get involved, but it's not really going to do anything. Like they're going to have an investigation, but what's that really going to lead to? And you also had people, I think it was the, um, he was like a former, oh God, I don't know what his position was. I don't know if he, he was a former uh, personnel of the SEC or he was like from like a different sort of branch, but still like involved in the economic sphere. And he was saying, technically speaking, like there isn't a liability here. Like you do have the ability to prevent people from buying and trading stocks. And then, I mean, I guess you also got a lot of bipartisan um, leaders saying no like this is wrong like you are unduly influencing this process and so it's just like there's so many things happening here but I also feel like it's a slippery slope like on one hand it does seem wrong to be like no sorry you actually can't do this you know you can't just go ahead and throw all your money into this and you know make us lose billions of dollars but on the other end it's like well why can't you and then all and then also it's like well 
can someone just come in and be like, actually, no, we're, we're preventing you from buying or selling, which then decreased the stock price drastically, I know, for GameStop. Um, and so like the ethics of this was really being questioned in these situations. What is quote unquote right? Like what should you be allowed to do? And more importantly, when governing agencies get involved to try to like regulate these things more on a legal sense, do you think that there's actually like a purpose in that? If there's so much money involved and all these like big corporations involved, does like what justice looks like prevail? I don't know if that's clear, but I'm kind of asking a few different things. It's not just Robinhood and or the other trading platforms who have kind of halted their trading or ability to buy and sell. Right. And not all of this is like, you know, confirmed or, but the theory is, or at least what people believe to have happened is that when all this went down, there were people in either the government or at these, uh, the head of these hedge funds who called Robinhood and all these other apps and told them to halt their, like to halt the trading of certain stocks. And of course, it's definitely legal for Robinhood to do that, but I think it's definitely illegal. It would definitely be illegal if you're doing it because of outside influence. Then there can be an argument there that, you know, this is market manipulation. You look at like Google, for example, they removed hundred over 100,000 negative reviews of the Robinhood app sure. after everything that happened. So it's like, sure, they can legally do that, but I don't know, that kind of feels a little bit like manipulation. Well, yeah, it's like Robinhood, I believe, is like a 1.4 or something uh, star rating on the like Apple store now, wow. too. Oof. But it's even like that whole concept of Robinhood suspending because of undue influence. Robinhood in and itself is just a third party facilitator. Right. All its customers do are place orders and then Robinhood sells them to actual hedge funds who process it and kind of give it back to Robinhood. So if hedge funds say we're not going to be buying any of these or we're not going to sell any of these, Robinhood has to then say we can't actually do anything because we don't have an into the stock market. We're mainly here to facilitate your trading. Yeah. Therefore, if they if no one's going to be buying the orders, the orders are going to sit vacant and whatever order gets placed is going to get canceled because it's not getting fulfilled. Yeah. This is a side point as well. I feel like I'm making a lot of those today. There's a book that I've been reading called, or I finished reading called Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. And one of the things he talks about is like the Brady Madoff case, um, which was like this man who was a billionaire who had like the greatest, one of the greatest Ponzi schemes in history um, and stuff that he was doing on, on the stock market. And it was like, you know, a huge financial fraud. And basically, one of the things that was so significant about this case is how he was kind of able to like bypass any sort of legal ramifications of his actions. And, and ultimately, I think he ended up turning himself in, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I bring it up to say one of the criticisms of the SEC is that like people have said they're too lenient when it comes to really correcting things on Wall Street. So in a situation where you may have undue influence, you know, people have said, well, we don't think that these governing bodies are actually going to do much because things have changed over the years and the way that they handle these things often allows, you know, people, especially billionaires, to remain protected. And Amara, we've talked about this. There's like a few memes that have been going around. It's like people telling you the best way to get ahead is to like be an investor and to do all yeah. these things. Stop buying those expensive avocado toasts and 
buy some <laughs> stock or something. Right. And then you go ahead and you you do that. You buy that stock and you try to, you know, get ahead or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden it's like, actually, no, 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 don't do that. Or we don't want you to do that. We'll protect our billionaires instead. Isaac and I talked about this briefly earlier in the week. But for me, that feels like a... That feels like an element of a capitalist society, like the ability to just kind of halt that process because you want to protect those who are at the top. I don't know. It just it feels like it's in alignment with just the just the <laughs> capitalism that we live in. Like at the end of the day, regardless of how volatile a stock is, there is nothing legally preventing anyone from being able to buy a stock so it's like for someone to like well i guess we don't know exactly where in the chain of all this that that decision was made and i don't think it helps that the robin hood ceo when he gave his brief interview didn't really he didn't really say much or didn't really like say anything specific that would kind of quash some of the doubts that this was like robin hood's doing but you know when someone along that line or when someone in the chain can say, halt the process, nothing illegal was being done. It's like, what gives someone the right or the power to, be able to just do that? And it kind of go, flies in the face of what people say capitalism is. You know, it's always like work harder, um, work smarter, do this, do that, and you can rise to the top. And there are some people who are trying to do that, buying these stocks, and it's worked for a lot of people. But then when others try to get in, you know, they just hit with a brick wall. It's like, nope, we're not allowing that anymore. You guys have made too much money. But it's also like instruments or, I guess, companies trading, they can get suspended temporarily, which could be done for countless factors. Right. And it happens daily. Yeah. And it's just maybe something happened and they're just uh, halting trading for two, three hours because something uh, internally occurred or they think that it's being unjustly manipulated to drive up the price or drive down the price because there could be countless reasons, again, for someone to be able to, or for the purpose of doing so. And so with Robinhood seeing that, you have forums that are saying we are going like Reddit. to... <laughs> yes. Red, Wall Street bets to be more specific. Um, yeah. They're all on there saying we are just going to buy every single GameStop share. We're going to drive this... Mm-hmm as they said, to the moon um, (laughs) and get it to a point where we screw over the hedge funds, Mm -hmm. it does act borderline like market manipulation because you are blatantly exploiting a market for a specific purpose. (laughs) Yeah. Which even though that they've succeeded to some extent, they've still lost, like they've won the battle, but they've lost the war. Yeah. yeah, Because all the shorts that they were betting against, I mean, as illegal as they are, which are naked shorts, they don't have an end date. So as soon as this kind of hype dies out and it goes back to where it should be, <laughs> these hedge funds still have their shorts on the company. And I think True. a lot of these hedge funds, when they were, even though there were, some of them were forced to kind of buy the stocks at the higher price, a lot of them just immediately put more money into shorting the stock because they know that it's eventually going to come back down. So it's like it's like okay, we'll take a we'll take a loss right now, but then you know, just we can just recoup that back when the short or when the stock eventually does short. And if you're getting new shorts and it's being traded at $300 a share, 
<laughs> you're going to be making a lot more now yeah. than on a short of $10 when it drops down to 6 And I guess at the end of the day, the person who's going to really have to, who's really going to fall down on is, it's going to be the people who saw the stock go up and they're like, hey, I'm going to invest in this. And they, they don't pull out in time. You have some people that they are showing that their Robinhood account, it's like plus $55 million. But if they're going to withdraw it, their whole account's going to be nothing. Sure, they'll have the maybe 55 million, 50 million if they do everything very quick. But everyone then it's going to just snowball that everyone's going to start withdrawing. And yeah. it's going to just crash the stock. This is only works if everyone keeps holding the stock. I was just going to say. I guess I hold the line was trending. <laughs> <laughs> but how long will people hold it? That's yeah. the question. Yeah. So much for sticking it to the man. So before we go any further, we did just want to say we're really excited that in season two, we now have a way that you guys can support us, all our lovely listeners. We use an app called Anchor to upload and distribute this podcast. And so if you want to support us, you can actually click on the link that's in the description. That allows you to make a small donation or a monthly subscription. And that supports our podcast. It allows us to do so much more. And we are doing a lot more in season two. So if you would like to support us, the link is in the bio. And we are welcoming it. I saw another thing trending on Twitter or another topic people were discussing. They're like, you know what? You know, all those people who are talking about Bitcoin as a way to kind of stick it to the man. Like, I think <laughs> we're, I think they were right because yeah. you can't really short cryptocurrency or at least it's not going to follow the same pattern where it's just going to go up and it's going to go down. At least like the past 10 years of Bitcoin have shown us that it just continually goes up. It might have these little dips, but like it's always going to keep moving forward. Yeah. yeah, at least it has more intrinsic value than like you know, or a at blockbuster least... stock. <laughs> yeah, where there's one store left. <laughs> yeah, it's like a company can fail. Not to say that like cryptocurrency can't fail, but you know, its value isn't necessarily like its goods and services. So you know, they don't like have a bad quarter, and all of a sudden their business is done. Yeah. By the way, I think there's literally, yeah, as Isaac said, there's literally one last Blockbuster store. <laughs> yeah, I think it's somewhere like Bend, Oregon or something Yeah, like that. in the States. Yeah, it I'm definitely sure, is like, in Oregon. <laughs> you can rent it on Airbnb. The store? Probably. Yeah. Shook. Because like, I don't know, I doubt they really make money off of it, but it's more like, okay, this is our one store. We're going to, you know, it's more like a museum or some sort. You, you tap into the nostalgia. Yeah, basically. I also didn't even know that um, Blockbuster's parent organization is Viacom. <laughs> Anywho, I know there were cases filed in New York and California, um, class actions pending. How do you guys feel about that? Do you think that they'll be successful in any way, shape, or form? Or do you think that they'll kind of just fall flat? Hmm. I think it depends on what exactly happened. I think if there were people behind the scenes who pushed these companies into halting trading, then I think there will definitely be something that come from, that will come of that. But if not, then it might not really amount to much. With that, like you have to then subpoena and get records from everyone. Everyone. Like it's not just hedge fund managers. It's 
like CEOs, other people of interest, financial advisors, they all have said something internally, which could have led to suspension of the trading. But it's also Robinhood in its terms of service as we can suspend trading if we when we see fit. So it's if that's written in plain text, it's hard to say, well, you acted out of line. It's well, you agreed when you signed up for this purpose that and we outline that we can temporarily suspend any of your trading on accounts. I mean, while that is true, I don't think that would really protect them against, you know, if the SEC is like, okay, we found that you guys were engaging in market manipula- manipulation, I don't think having that in their terms of service would really, would really protect them much. Like it's a starting point for protection. Like I think it would protect them against maybe the, um, like their general customers who are like, yeah. oh, you guys stopped me from buying this or, and all that. But I don't think it would protect them against any claims of market manipulation at like a higher level. That's only assuming there actually was. Yeah. It's, I think the, like the part that they'll get in more trouble for is suspending or tailoring, for lack of a better term, how many shares people could buy. I think all of Friday, you could only buy five shares at a time. You could only sell five shares at a time of GameStop. Oh, wait, they limited your ability to sell it? Buy and sell. That's crazy. That definitely sounds like... Because it's one thing if you say you can't buy, okay? It's another thing if you're limiting someone's ability to get rid of something. It's like, hey, this the stock is falling. I don't want it anymore. But no, you got to keep on. You got to hold on to it while it continues to lose value. But at the same time, if no one was selling because if you can only buy five at a time, no one was taking the bet of someone else is going to pick up the five that I'm selling. Yeah. Because someone ha- like when you're selling, someone else is on the other end willingly saying, I will buy it. Even though like it's not a face-to-face transaction, it's still a transaction of someone's putting something up and someone's claiming it at a set price. Mm, like I get that, but I don't know. I just It just doesn't seem right to me that you can say, okay, you can't. Like if you put up a transaction, of course, you know, you can't make another person buy it. But to not even have the option to say, you know, Despite everything, I still want to, you know, sell off the stock that I have. It's like, I don't know, doesn't that find the face of like, <laughs> I don't know, the rights that Americans are always so angry about? Yeah, I think the, the most interesting part was people were transferring their Robinhood accounts to other trading platforms to be able to offload their yeah. uh, shares. Because it was just Robinhood that was suspending or tailoring how much you could buy and sell. Yeah. I saw so many like YouTubers or influencers who were like, yeah, we're dumping Robinhood, fought like sign up yep, to this. my referral for like this platform. Which that again is another questionable thing when you, because they'll get free stocks and stuff by people clicking yep. on the link, which again shouldn't <laughs> be happening because someone could have millions of dollars in assets on the stock market and they've invested zero dollars. They just keep getting people to click on their referral Crazy. Code. Yeah. I wonder, like, I wonder if they put a cap to that. Because think about it. Let's say, like, I am someone, I don't know, I've, like, let's say, like, is it Charlie D'Amelio who has, like, 100 million TikTok followers? Well, she puts out a TikTok tomorrow saying, you know, go on, sign up thing. for, yeah. yeah, sign up to this platform and you get a free stock. And then, like, she somehow convinces, like, all 100 million of, <laughs> million of her followers to go sign up under her and she gets, like, 100 million free stock. That's scary. <laughs> I, but it's, I think but it's legal. That, yeah. It's fully legal. 
it's things I know it's that legal, people haven't thought through. <laughs> that'd be crazy. Because yeah. there's a Instagram video of it was a couple that they're saying like, oh, here's how we are getting rich. We buy when the stock is low and we sell when the stock is high. Click the link and <laughs> do the uh, same. It'll take you to the website. Yeah. But any for everyone that clicks the link, they get like a they were getting a kickback because it's their personal account. Yeah. And so it was just one of those like they had probably at most $10,000 invested and then just people kept giving them free stocks. And that free stock doesn't have a price limit on it. That free stock can be Apple, can be Amazon. So be like Tesla. is it just a random free stock that they give you? I'm pretty sure it's just a f- you get to pick one stock. Oh. What? Oh my hold God. up, hold up. So I can just pick the most they can just pick like the most expensive stock they want. You can go buy Berkshire Hathaway probably. Which is like thirty six thousand dollars a share. Oh my gosh. What is this? That, what is this scheme and how do I get signed up? <laughs> I need to get on this. I mean we live in a capitalistic world. I need to play the we game. We really do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Allegedly, I'm not admitting on yes. this podcast that I'm going to be committing anything. Nope. Sorry, Berkshire Hathaway is currently just over $300,000 a share. Oh, oh my gosh. Wait, what is the point of having a share that high? Yeah. Because you can say that you are invested in a Warren Buffett account. Chuck. Who, yeah. <laughs> even Even that idea of being a billionaire just off of like... <laughs> investments is so fascinating like never having to really think of anything ingenious like I think about Tesla and I'm like okay great like sure if I bought a hundred thousand dollars worth of stock literally a year ago you know I'd have about eight hundred thousand dollars if I invested in Tesla which is kind of wild just that jump in the market but on the other end him being a cent billionaire I'm like you know he did kind of come up with a couple cool things and yada 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 Whereas Warren Buffett, like, just threw his money into other people's money and other people's ideas and is insanely wealthy. Like, it's just wild how those things exist in our society. I don't know. See, that's why I'm really hoping that dog coin takes off because this. It, it's gone on like 2,500% this year. You know, well, I, I think... mean, didn't Musk just tweet about it? Oh, he, he tweet, he's tweeted about it many times. Yeah, and he's, and then you do, like, from the time he sends a tweet or posts something on Twitter, even if it's just in his bio, that stock skyrockets. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's also a big part of um, why the stock even jumped up so much in the first place, because it did go up quite a bit. But then but he then tweeted, tweeted about the yeah. subreddit, and then yeah. it went up even higher. And you have other like influencers or like wealthy CEOs and stuff basically saying, like, yeah, go for it. Do- keep doing this. Like, <laughs> yep. let's see. Yeah. And they kind of just egg them on to see how far this can go. You know what the whole that thing you're talking about where people sign up and they get the whole kickback thing. You know what that reminds me of? You ever see those like YouTube ads that are trying to sell you on these courses to make all this money? And like you don't even know how much money they've made or they tell you they've made all this money. But it's like really and truly someone does something, makes like a thousand dollars, makes a course about how they made all this money online and then sells you this course that you pay like a thousand to five thousand dollars alone to sign up for. And it's like all the money definitely comes from people signing up for these courses versus what they're actually trying to teach you how to do. It's like the value that you're getting versus the value that you're giving to that person is just it's wild to me that's a game of capitalism 
not it to make really not is. to make you don't win by working hard and making money you win by making money through the efforts of others isn't that the premise of a pyramid scheme for multi-level marketing no mark a pyramid scheme like you you have to recruit people and then they pay you and stuff like that yes 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 you have to but- allocate a certain amount of dollars to someone and then you can recruit people to get that money back but for me the principle of it is the same you know what i mean it's like whoever is at the top of that multi-level marketing ploy is like yes they're making money from whatever their initial concept idea is but the most the greatest source of their revenue is you and the people who you have signed up for underneath them well i think the clear i think the difference between like what would make something a pyramid scheme and not is but a pyramid scheme, there's always someone who's like, there's always a base of people who are holding everything up. And they're the kind of the ones who have to like, they suffer like all the consequences. Like, I don't know, you have to sign someone else up, but then maybe the sign up, they have to pay money. Yeah. Which is where the problems start. Because once you get to a level, once you get to like that one person, you can't sign up anyone else up. Well, now they've paid money into it, but they've get nothing in return. Whereas if I have someone like sign up to like my free referral link or whatever, I get something out of it. Maybe they get something out of it. Maybe they don't, but they don't lose anything necessarily. Yeah. I should invest in Zoom stock. That's a bit high now. Actually, wait, it might go down as the pandemic gets better. That, and I'm pretty sure there's a class action for security breaches because one of the founders <laughs> admitted to the security breaches foolishly, and that's happening. Yeah. So Yikes. maybe don't invest. <laughs> On a note that we were talking about earlier, I looked up the uh, referral for Robinhood. Yeah. So any each so anytime you refer someone in your contacts list, you get a uh, free stock. Um, each stock is chosen randomly from our inventory of settled shares, but okay. it can have a value between $3 and $225. Got it. So you can't go buy ridiculously expensive stocks, but you could potentially get a stock that's worth $200 yeah. and just yeah. sell it right away. Yeah. And imagine if you have millions of followers who do that so many times, you are making a good amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. So are we putting our um, Robinhood and uh, other links in the, the description of this podcast? Um, absolutely. <laughs> Although I guess we can't use Robinhood because we're, you know, Canadian. But, you know, we got Wealthsimple and a few other ones. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I prefer Wealthsimple. I was going to say what we should do is convince everyone listening to go and get ShakePay, everyone who's Canadian, so we can get cryptocurrency money. <laughs> 100%. Well, okay. ShakePay is a little different simply yeah. because... They don't just give you free money. It's only when they buy a certain amount of Bitcoin yeah. that they give you some money. But the great thing about ShakePay is they do give you free money. Just you open the app, you literally just shake your phone, and yep. they give you free Bitcoin every single day. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. It, <laughs> if I, assume if I had not sold, like, assuming I hadn't sold any Bitcoin that I had been given free, like over the past year that I've used it, I probably would have gotten like, at least one to two thousand dollars free money yeah just based on the value of bitcoin today i've definitely redeemed 
I want like anywhere from like five to six hundred dollars just from shake pay <laughs> like just shaking my phone every day for the last like two years and just like every once in a while I'm like mm, I need some money and just like redeeming it and that's I think the the point this speaks to not just about cryptocurrency but even like I think stocks and investing it is actually so much easier today than it than it, I think it ever has been like the fact that if I want to go buy crypto I can just like use the app put in like it's it's so simple and so direct to sell it is quick to buy it is quick like I don't think it was that way a few years ago like I remember last time it was like if you want to sign up for Coinbase you got to like prove your identity and all the security like there was so much to it and I think that like crypto and stock and all these things it was a very esoteric kind of market, especially cryptocurrency. Um, like I know when we were introduced to it, it was, I don't know, 10 years ago and it was our family friend and, you know, he was doing it. We were like, what the heck is this thing? And now he's made all this money. But I think now it is so much easier to buy into these things if you do want to invest. And oftentimes people will say, oh, it's too late. But it really is never too late. No, like Bitcoin's scheduled to go to like $150,000. Uh, I can see it. For, for Bitcoin, because you get all these financial institutions going, well, there's a future in this. I think PayPal is one of them. I think yeah. PayPal, a couple, I think like uh, Morgan, not Morgan Stanley, um, Wells JP. Fargo, I think. Yeah. JP Morgan, a bu- like a bunch of these high end financial institutions are essentially buying as much Bitcoin as they can get their hands on. Even apps like Wealthsimple or Robinhood. They have options for you to like buy and sell Bitcoin and a few other cryptocurrencies now. So even if you don't want to go the traditional route where you know you sign up for an exchange or you create your own wallet and do it all that, you can literally just buy and trade through these apps that are made to make everything simple. And you can don't even have to buy the full one. You can buy parts of them. Like yeah. you can buy a percent of Bitcoin. Yeah, I, th- I think that's one thing that people always get tripped up over. They always think, oh, well, I, I got to buy a whole buy- Bitcoin. Yeah, it's like, I can't afford yeah. to buy a full Bitcoin now. Like it's way too expensive. But just like when you're trading stocks, there are ways to buy stocks where you don't have to buy the complete thing. You can buy like a percentage of it or something. So with Bitcoin, you can really just buy any amount you want. And then as it goes up and down, that yours is calculated against it. Yeah. For anyone who is, you know, looking to invest or, you know, put their money in crypto or the stock market. Isaac, what is your what is your advice to them as an investor yourself? Do your research. <laughs> like yeah, you might see like in this situation with GameStop and AMC that there's all this hype around something. Yeah. So you get you want to get in when there's the hype to watch it skyrocket. But if you do your research correctly and make sure that the company is one that is operating sufficient or I guess to a good standard and has good future growth, your money is better suited there. Yeah. Not saying it's great. Like this is not financial advice whatsoever. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll be, okay, you're becoming a future lawyer. You got to cover your bases there. <laughs> yeah, it's, this is law 101. Yeah. I'm not getting set up for it to be liable for anyone's loss. But Never. <laughs> you, like just do your research, make sure there's growth. Look at what the gov like what governments are tending towards. Yeah. Don't invest necessarily a hundred percent in oil because there's a big push globally mm-hmm. to go more green and be more conscious about how much emissions we're putting in. Yeah. So maybe invest in something that is start like a 
small company that's growing in that area that the government may support or an industry that the government may support, which brings all the companies up together. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Like tech is the future. <laughs> yeah. There was someone I was listening to talk about um, technology and just the value of companies now. And specifically, they're looking at Tesla and how it's valued a lot higher than a lot of other car companies today, despite Tesla not being like the highest selling car company. And one of the reasons why is tech. And I guess the way people, the way investors are looking at the future now, they don't really see any value in companies that don't have technology somewhere baked into their brand or what they're selling. Yeah. So if I were going to advise anyone on how to invest, I would say there has to be some element of technology into what they're investing, because that seems to be the trend. So what I'm hearing is we're all not going to put our money in Toys R Us and try to resurrect it? No. <laughs> Probably mean. not the greatest move. <laughs> well, okay. If you got on Wall Street bets. Oh, my gosh. Know, we convinced enough people. Okay. We, we could You're do done. it. Well, you got to wait the six months. They now have it. So you have to wait six months from joining to be able to like post like main threads. Damn. there's too many people posting. That's crazy. I would say a good investment right now is to look at any industry or look into the travel industry. So when you look at like at the beginning of the pandemic, when things tanked, a plane company can only go so low or like a hotel company can only go so low. But I think as eventually things open up and as a vaccine rolls out, eventually they're going to be back in business. So I think right now is a good time to get into any stocks that are that kind of deal with travel because realistically they can only go up at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's the advice. Just find where you need to put your money in and put your money in and don't be like, mm, it's too late because in 2022, um, when we're all millionaires, we'll be like, we told you on this episode of the podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. Billionaires. Billionaires. I like that. Yeah, we had the three zeros. Yeah. <laughs>